Well, we're going through the book of James, if you haven't been with us, and last week we had our first section in the book of James, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just quickly remind you what we covered last week, then we're going to stand and read together what we're going to cover today, I'll pray, and then we'll get into the text. So, real quick, just as a way of reminder, we were introduced to James, he he explains to us that he's writing to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, and what I said ultimately is that's going to all believers in all times, all places, Again, 12 tribes representing Israel. And everyone who is in faith, who has faith like Abraham, is part of true Israel. Then we had a conversation with James a little bit about counting it all joy when we meet various trials. And I was so encouraged this week because I ran into somebody, and I won't single that person out, but I ran into somebody who was here, and she said, it's been a hard week. A lot of things are going bad. But I, And as she walked off, she goes, but I'm counting it all joy. I'm counting it all joy. I said, all right. There was one person listening last week. That's exciting. But what we said ultimately is that those trials, God brings those. It's to test our faith. And ultimately, if you'll remember, it's to get us from when we have very shaky faith to get us all the way. It'll produce steadfastness where we're ready to face anything that comes. And it's a process. And then we closed with, if any of us lacks wisdom, that we're to ask God from above, and he will graciously give it. That's one thing he's saying. If you desire wisdom, which we all should, if not, then we're prideful, because we think we have the answers. If you desire wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you, as long as you don't doubt that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. So James just ended the, the, the verse before talking about the being double-minded, unstable in all your ways. So verse 9, he continues, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, verse 10, and the rich in his hum- humiliation, because like the flower of the grass he will pass away. First thing here, we have two sides. The lowly brother, this is talking mostly about financially, okay? That's what this is talking about. Poor person, the poor brother, okay? On the other side, there's debate a little bit on is the, is the rich one that's being spoken about here a rich brother, a rich Christian, or is the rich being spoken about in the sense of a non-believer? There's some debate, depending on who you talk to, you read different things. Ultimately, what I would say is, I think that this, what this is saying is there is the poor brother or sister in Christ, meaning financially, and there are those who are rich, the rich brother and sister in Christ. Now think for a second... Don't say it out loud. Which one are you? Which one are you? First thing, are you in Christ? There may be some here, and it's most likely that there are, who have never really given their life to Christ, never really trusted in the perfect life, the virgin birth, perfect life, death on the cross, the bloody death in our place for our sins, where the sacrifice that Jesus gave to God appeasing his wrath, and how after three days he rose for our salvation. That's in Christ. That's what being a Christian is, believing those things and committing yourself to the Lord to follow him. Some of you may have not have done that. Today's a great day to do that. But if you are a Christian, here's my question for you. Are you the rich brother or sister, or are you the poor brother or sister? I thought a lot on this. And I did a little bit of research. There are some statistics out there. By the world, by the, sta- the world standards, this, this statistic here, people who are really poor, really poor, are living on less than $2 a day. 
less than $2 a day. Okay, that's roughly $730 a year. Okay. After that, there were some that were kind of low income. That's living on $2 to $10 a day. So you got the $2 and under, $2 and $10 a day. Middle incomes, 10 to 20 bucks a day. Upper middle, 20 to 50. And then high would be 50 and above. In the United States, 88% of Americans live in the upper middle or high income bracket compared to the world. Are you tracking with me? 88%. That means majority of Americans, by the world standards, are rich or doing very well. Twenty percent, it's said roughly twenty percent of people in the world own a car. Now there's a lot more made than that. Fifty percent of the people in the world have access to clean water. Only fifty percent, over seven billion people, fifty percent have access to clean water. A fourth of the world's population does not have electricity. 1.6 billion people, roughly, do not have electricity. Interesting, 65% own a cell phone. (laughs) And I've seen this. I've seen this in the villages of Africa. You get way out there and you're like, they've never heard of Jesus. They've never seen, truthfully, a white person. And there's a guy over with a cell phone. (laughs) Wow. It's incredible. And they can only get service in one part of the village and they have to go next to the tree and literally stand on one foot and do this and they can talk on the cell phone. That's the only place they can get service. And how they figured that out, I have no idea. But they said, if you need to call your wife, go do this. Maybe they were just messing with me. Now, th- now that I'm thinking about it, I think that might have been what was going on. Although I didn't get service anywhere else, but they might have thought it was funny, the American over here trying to do this. Anyway. Minute. Us here, we're Americans, okay? We're Christians in this country. Many of us have cell phone, electricity, car. There's some here who may truly be poor. Again, a lot of it depends on what you're comparing to. But the truth of the matter is, I need you to hear this. I need you to understand this. Throughout history, it's argued that America is the richest nation that's ever existed as far as things that are here. Now, there are others where China's putting out some things The world is, in that sense, the richest it's ever been as far as money and material things that are out there. America's argued one of the greatest empires, if you will, of all time. We're Christians that live in this empire. Our brothers and sisters around the world really do not have what we have. Some of you may be poor. That's okay. In fact, there's a lot of scripture. If you'll think through the the scriptures, there's a lot that talk about the poor and Jesus talking about the poor. And there's a lot of negative ones linked to being rich. Doesn't mean that money itself is a sin or evil. The love of money is. The warning that I think Jesus gives to us when he's talking about money is that we can't serve two masters. There's no way we can love God and love money both. And what I want to get you to think on today is of all the Christians that have ever lived since the time of Jesus forward, we're most likely the richest ones that have ever existed as far as a people. Not every one of us individually, but as far as a people, we're the richest ones ever. 
we're blessed, and that's okay. The question is, with the freedoms we have in this country and that we've had, and they're diminishing, and we know that they are, as far as our faith and Christianity, with the freedoms we've had and the fact that we're one of the richest, if not the richest nation ever as far as of Christians, are we doing more or less with the gospel than those around the world, those throughout history? We have all these resources at our fingertips. What are we doing? So here's the thing. Which, I don't know which one you are. Let the lowly brother or sister, here's what you're to do if you're one of the lowly ones, those who don't have as much money, poor. You're to boast in your exaltation. What that means is I don't have much in this life, but I've got everything in the kingdom. I've been given everything in the kingdom because I'm in Christ and there's a kingdom that awaits for us to go and rule with Jesus. Boast in that. And if you are in need, if you are a brother or sister who's in need financially, that's what the other brothers and sisters are here for. Part of what we're here for is to help when you're in need. That's what you do if you find yourself in that category. I don't know what category you guys are in. For the rest of us. And to the rich in his humiliation. For those of us who fall in that category of rich, richest Christians, maybe ever, we don't boast in the stuff that we have. We don't boast in the jobs, the cars, the phones. We don't boast in that stuff. We boast in the fact that we are humbled in Christ. That we don't deserve anything, including all this stuff. We don't deserve salvation even, but that God would look upon us and he would say, I love you, not because of what you've done, but because I'm a great God who loves you. Humble yourself, cry out to me that you need a Savior, which you've done, and I will save you. Because only all your riches, all the stuff that we have, none of that can save us. Only the perfect blood of Christ. So we have to humble ourselves and say, I can't do anything. I've got all this stuff. I've got storage units of stuff. And it's not even going to save me, Lord, because none of that's worth anything. It's all going to go away. You're the only thing that's worth anything, Lord, truthfully. There's a pastor who will say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) Okay? That's okay. It's okay to have stuff as long as we're using our stuff to be a blessing to people and not using people to get more stuff. That's when we get it wrong. Okay? So let's continue to boast in the fact of, oh man, that's a, that's a real nice boat you have. Yeah, praise God. Would you like to go fishing in it? Let's go fishing and talk about Jesus. Because without Jesus, I don't have anything. Boast in your humiliation. Boast in the fact that you have nothing other than what comes from God. Does that make sense? You tracking with me so far? Okay. All right. So, and here's why. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Again, we're all going to die. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and the beauty perishes. So will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Ultimately, we see this in Isaiah 40, Psalm 103. Peter mentions it. Again, everything on this earth will be destroyed. Everything, including the earth, will be destroyed. We're going to a place where we're not going to take any of this stuff with us. Here's the, thing that's going to rem- here's the things that are going to remain forever. The word of the Lord and, and the souls of men and women. 
That's what's going to remain forever. So let's continue to know the word of the Lord, study the word of the Lord, and tell people about Jesus so they can remain forever with God instead of apart from God. That's what we're to do. Because everything else is just going to get demolished, destroyed, burnt up. All right, now what James does is he transitions to something else. So let's jump into verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. This is similar to what we heard a little bit ago. If you remember uh, from last week's sermon, it talked about the counting it all joy when we meet these trials of various kinds. He's visiting that again. He says, Blessed be the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the, receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. A couple things I want to say about this. Number one, this is one of the five, there's five different crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament, these crowns, okay? Don't picture like Burger King crown, definitely not like that. Don't even picture like, a, you know, some great king, pharaoh, whatever, that has this jewels, all this stuff. Don't necessarily picture, picture it like that. What I'd like you to picture, some of the children have them, we handed them out today so they could color during the time, but think of the Olympics that are going on. And those little kind of wreaths that they put on around, picture that because, again, the crown, here's the idea. The idea is that you finish, you compete well, and if you finish the race, if you compete and you finish the race, you get this crown. That's what you get. Okay? So this is one of the five that's mentioned. If you, blessed are you if you are steadfast under the trials. We're going to get into more detail on that in a second. But if you stand the test, you'll get the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Who love him? That's, don't miss that. He doesn't promise it to just anybody. Everybody who lives doesn't get a crown. The only ones who get the crown are those who make it to the end, which are true Christians, and those who make it to the end are those who love him. Now here's where it gets a little personal. Let's go to 1 John 5.3. 1 John 5.3. We covered this before. I'm going to read it to you. 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. We do what he says, and his commandments are not something we, oh, I've got to obey God. No, I get to obey God. Okay? Now with that, John 14, 15. I'm going to put these two things together for you. John 14, 15. Jesus just bluntly says it like this. Listen, couldn't get any more blunt. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Period. Now, it's not the idea, again, that we keep his commandments so that he'll love us. Don't miss that. That's not what this is about. What this is about is if you actually love him, then you're going to keep his commandments. So here's where the pushback comes. Are you keeping his commandments? Are you keeping his commandments? He loves you. With our children, sometimes they'll disobey, believe it or not, they will. A lot more when Heather's gone, apparently. No, I'm kidding. You guys have been good. No, but they've actually been great. They've been phenomenal. But here's the thing. From time to time, they'll disobey. We'll sit down, say, do I love you? That's what I'll ask them. Do I love you? Yes, you love us. Big picture, does God love you? He's shown his love for you in Christ. He loves you. Do I love you? Yes, Daddy, you love us. Okay. 
I've asked you to obey this. Yes, you've asked. Was it clear? Did you understand what you were supposed to obey? Yes. Okay. Why didn't you obey? They explain. Here's what we say. If you love me, Daddy already loves you. You're not trying to earn my love. I already love you. But if you love me, obey me. Obey me. Out of love, out of respect. The same's true with God. He's saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. So here's the thing. It doesn't mean that from time to time we don't sin. We all do. Yes, we all do. We all sin from time to time. We fall. We get back up. We fall. We get back up. Here's the point, though. To live in unrepentant sin, to just continue on and not care, how can that be obeying Him? How can that be loving Him? It's only to those who love Him that receive this crown. My encouragement to you today is ask God to reveal that to you. Are you obeying Him? Do you love Him? If so, obey Him. Verse 13, let no one say, now he's going to make a change here. James is making a change. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. This is a change and yeah, we're going to do it. I wasn't sure, but we're going to do this anyway. Roy, would you come on up here, please? <laughs> I'm going to need somebody else as well. Um, Julie, would you be willing to come up? I know I didn't ask you this either, so this is going to be great. Roy, would you stand over here in this corner for a second? Julie, right over here, please. I wasn't sure if we're going to do this. We're going to do this. <laughs> Maybe. That's right. Exactly. Okay, Roy, behind this uh, here, if you would. Okay, so as we talked about last week, we don't have faith, right? And someone doesn't have faith, they come to faith. So they're sitting down on the stool. I'll, I'll, I'll do that part for you. So sitting down, all of a sudden you have faith. Okay, gift from God, you believe. So now you're up. And what we talk about, when you first have faith, it's, it's small, right? You're, on, you're here and you don't have much faith. Okay? And then as trials come, as difficulties come, you move to more, you're a little bit more sturdy. More sturdy until it produces a steadfastness. So here's the journey. Roy becomes a believer, and he's here, and he comes, and, he, and, he's, and he's on the journey. This door over here, this is where our crown's at. That wreath is on the outside of that door. we got to get there. Makes it tough, though. we got a lot going on. So Roy begins this journey with the Lord, and he's going, and he comes to an obstacle. And he's, go up on your one foot, I've got you, though. Okay. It's difficult. So he learns to hop around. Go ahead. He gets around it. Okay. Now, he faced that trial and he learned something. Go ahead and put your other foot on the ground. He's learned something. He's a little bit more stable. He's made it through that obstacle. So what happens is he comes along, and I'm a Christian too, and I'm here. And we see each other and say, hey, brother, oh, you're, you, you follow Jesus, I follow Jesus. Let's do this together. So then we have, we're on this journey together now, and we come across this, and we say, wow, this is another obstacle. I don't know what, this one looks different. I don't know what to do. I haven't faced this. You haven't faced this. We have God's Word. We know we can face it, okay? We face it and we get around it together. Come on, Roy, we're going to scoot in between here. You're going to make this better than I will. Let's move that microphone a little bit. He makes it through. We're persevering. We're enduring. Where are we heading? To the door. We come across Julie. She's a believer. Hey, we're going to walk together. We come up to this. Let me go over here with it so you all can't see it. This stool. Julie's never faced this before. I've never faced this before. What are we going to do? He knows how. Walking together. So now we 
pass through it together, okay? We pass around it. Good, come on, guys, pass around. <laughs> so now, I'm not going to make them do this one, but sometimes, let's be honest, the trials that we face, these trials that God has given us, sometimes we can scoot around them. Sometimes they're so hard that they get us on our face. You ever been a trial? Who's ever had a trial that hard that it gets you on your face? It's just that hard. You're not going to have to do this. Don't worry. <laughs> So you crawl underneath, right? We're even on our face. I know you want me to do it. Okay, I'll do it. So I'm crawling on my face to get through, right? I make it through. They make it through, okay? Here's the thing. As we're going, yeah, they just lift it out of the way. They're better prayer, prayers than I am. Here's the thing. We're going on this journey together. These trials come and we get stronger together each time. Here's what happens. As we're going, these trials sometimes wear us out. They do. Someone dies. Someone's sick. There's a shooting. They're on the path, and I say, guys, you, you keep going. I'm just going to take a break. It's just hard. You know what they need to be saying to me? Come on. Come on. Right? Get me. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get up here. Right? I'll say, I'll say, and then another time I'll say, you know, I just get so tired. I just doubt God. I just don't know what's going on. I'm getting closer to this direction. What do they need to be saying? Come on back this way. Come on back to us. Come back to us. And I get over here and I say, this is a nice path. I don't see anything on this path. This is a nice path. That's a nice big door. That's bigger than that door. This path is nice. I'm thinking I'm going to go this way. What are they saying? No, no, no. I'm saying, no, I'm right on the edge. This looks really nice compared to that. I don't want to go into that thing again. They're saying, no, no, no. So what happens is I start just a little bit, put my toe in. Here's the other thing. Satan's over here saying, it's nice over here. Here's the other thing. You guys are the world. You're the world. You know what the world says? The world doesn't say, go that way. That's the better path. You know what the world says? Come on. This is the way to go. Look at this. This is nice. I got so much space. This is wonderful. And the world's saying, come. These are the temptations. Okay? Trials are there. If we respond to the trials the right way, we're going to get stronger and move forward. If we respond to the trials in the wrong way, We can get close to over here. We can start to doubt God. At the same time, we also have temptations out there that are saying, go this way. Behind that door is self. This door is Jesus with a crown. That door says, your own desires, anything you want is over here. Come this direction. And I start to go. And the whole time they're yelling, don't go. Don't go. Come back. I I think this is better, you guys. I think this is better. Okay, y'all can sit down. Thank you very much. Give me a hand. Let no one say when he's tempted from out here, I'm being tempted by God. God's not doing that. The result isn't to get you to go that direction. When trials come, it's to strengthen your faith. That's what God's doing with these obstacles. Sometimes these are hard obstacles. Temptation, notice that Satan will put it there. That's true. But also, the world puts it there. It's what's out there. But look what the scriptures say here. This is interesting. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. You know what's really got me going this direction? It's not just Satan. It's not just the world. It's those desires inside of me. My own desires that I'm starting to go. And that luring and enticing, come on, fishing community, 
right? Lures, what is that for, right? It looks good, and it's feeding off of my, my own desires. Ooh, that looks good. Little do I know that there's a hookup inside there, right? And you bite into that, and you'll get drug away, okay? That's what it's saying. Be very careful about your desires. Your desires. Again, church, we do not just follow your heart. No, whoa. Stop. Hit the brakes. We follow God's word. And if we're in line with God's will, our heart will go that direction. Again, if you're a believer, you will have new affections. You will have a new heart, new desires. Now, your flesh still remains, so at times there's this battle going on between the man within and the man outside. It's going, oh, my flesh wants to go this way, but the Spirit's saying, that's the door. My flesh is saying, that's great. It's easier. Okay? This battle's going on, but again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't overcome it. Because the truth of the matter is, I was on this journey with them. If I end up going out this door... If this is the direction I go, what would happen is, if we were wearing name tags or jerseys, what you would see is I wasn't a believer in the first place. I was acting like I was one with you guys. But if I don't finish the course, not a true believer. If I do, then I'm a believer. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay, we're almost done here. One side note I want to say, let no one say he's being tempted by God. God cannot be tempted. So people will ask sometimes, what about Jesus? I thought Jesus was God. But Jesus was tempted. He was taken into the wilderness. What is that all about? What we see here is this is actually speaks to the miracle who is Jesus. He's fully God and fully man, both. His divine side, absolutely right. No temptation whatsoever. His fully human side, there was temptation. So here's the thing. Was Jesus perfect? Yes or no? Is it a sin then to be tempted? No. Be careful with that. Be careful with that because sometimes we face temptations and we start to feel guilty about that. You don't need to feel guilty that you're facing a temptation. You should feel guilty if you give in to the temptation. That's the difference. Temptation, Jesus was tempted. But by the power of the Holy Spirit and especially together as a body of Christ, when tempted, I can say, Roy, I'm being tempted in this way. Will you help me? Ed, I'm being tempted this way. Pray for me. Pray that God's Spirit would give me strength. A couple things I want to say. 1 Corinthians 10.13. If you're familiar with this verse, listen to this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When you face a temptation, if you have God's spirit, you can actually go away from that temptation. You have the ability to do so if you tap into the power that's been given to you by the Lord, the Holy Spirit and his word and prayer, fasting. You have the ability to not sin, to not fall into that temptation. If you don't have Jesus, guess what? You don't have that ability. You're going to give into it time and time and time again. Okay? But God will not let you. He will give you a way out. Something will happen. The phone will ring. He will give you a way out. Scripture will come to mind. He'll give you a way way out. Back over into James. The other thing I do want to say real quick, though, is Hebrews... uh, I'll just read this one to you as well. Hebrews 4.15... Listen to what this says. 
talking about Jesus, all chapter 4 is talking about the high priest. If you remember in the Old Testament, the priests who would go in to the Holy of Holies, the high priest. Listen to this. Talking about Jesus. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help, help in our time of need. Here's the point. Because Jesus was tempted, which isn't a sin, like we are, he knows what you're going through. Do you get that? He knows what you're going through. You ever, you ever been talking to somebody and you're trying to explain the situation and they start giving you advice and they have no idea, they've never lived what you're living, they've never walked in your shoes, as we say. But if somebody has walked in your shoes and they give you advice, don't you listen a little bit better? Oh, that's how you got through it. Oh, Roy, you've, been, you, you've gone through this type of trial. Is that right, Roy? You went around one of these? Well, we're going to listen to you then. How'd you get around it? Right? That's what it's saying about Jesus. The one who you pray to for help, the one who intercedes for you, the one who's died for you, is the very one who's faced the same temptations you have. So you can't say to him, you don't know what it's like. Yes, I do. He says, yes, I do. Isn't that awesome? All right, we're almost done. Back into James. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. That desire is there. If you give in to it, sin. Okay? And then sin. And if you keep living in that sin, you keep walking down that path, I don't care how many times you've come to church, I don't care how many Sunday schools you've been to, I don't care when you were baptized, I don't care how, many scripture, how much scripture you've memorized. If you go down that path in sin and continue to live in sin, ultimately what Scripture's saying to you is it's going to lead to death. And if it leads to death, all that stuff you did didn't even matter. It was works. We're saved by grace, not works. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. James is kind of making a change here. He's saying all this tempting, all that stuff. He says, don't be deceived. Don't get tricked here, guys. Pay attention. He's saying, listen carefully. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from, a, from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What he's saying there is the temptations, that's not from God. I've already said that. But realize every good gift that comes to you, every perfect gift, husbands, your wives, you may not feel like it, they are a gift. And they would say they're perfect. No, they wouldn't say that. But they are a gift from God. For you. Wives, your husbands, your children. These, these are gifts from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Not temptation and sin. That's not from God. This part where it says the Father of lights, that's to remind us this is the, the God of creation. This is the one who's created all things. Here's the thing. You know how different the moon looks now than it did all the way back in the beginning? You know how different it looks? Not a lot. The sun... It looks the same. Okay, This is the one who's created all these stars. This is the one who's created all these things. Guess what? He's the one. He's constant. He's not like darkness or shadow. He doesn't change. That's why when he, when he gives good gifts, we know it's going to be good gifts forever because he never changes. We change. He doesn't. You ever had that? Someone who you knew, you were close together, you were friends? Maybe a former spouse? I don't know. Something you had... And then they changed. Or maybe you did. And the relationship was completely different. 
And there was a lot of pain and suffering and, and issues there. The great thing about God is He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always the same. He's not going to change. He's going to love you. You ask for wisdom, He'll give it to you. You want anything from Him that's in accordance with His will, He'll give it to you because He loves you and He lavishes these gifts upon you. He loves you. He does not change. Last verse. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Why has God created everything? Why has He saved us? His own will. He desires to do it. That should be enough. That should be enough. Hey, you're loved by God. He has, before the foundation of the world, chosen you, called you, let you hear the gospel. Why, God? My own will. Because I love you. That's it. It's that simple. His own will is why He's done it. He brought us forth by the word of truth. The word of the truth is gospel. What does gospel mean, church? Gospel means what? Good news. Here's the good news. Bad news, separated from God. Sin, everybody. Can't meet God's standard. No chance to make it to heaven. That's the bad news. Always followed by the good news. But God demonstrates his love for us. That we're still sinners. Christ died for us. He lived the life we should have lived. Perfect. We should have lived a perfect life. We didn't. He did. He died on the cross, the death we should have died, taking the wrath of God. No, he took it for us. And after three days, he rose. That's the good news. And those who believe in that are brought forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits, the first fruits of the season, meaning this time, the people in James's time, the first believers and believers now and believers forever, continuing to come. Part of our role in that is making sure that we're telling people about the word of truth, the gospel, so there'll be more fruit to come in conjunction with the work of his Holy Spirit. So I'm going to close with this. As you're praying today, as we're going to have our time of invitation, you cry out to God and you find out, Lord, am I a lowly brother? Help me to boast in my exaltation. Help me to do that, Lord. Help me to boast in my exaltation. Am I rich? Help me to boast in my humiliation in Christ. Remember that when you are facing these trials, if you persevere, you will receive the crown of life. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Push together. Don't get off. Don't give in to the temptation and don't blame God for temptations. It's really our own desires and lusts. Don't be deceived. Your God gives you good gifts. He's a good dad who loves you. If you didn't have a good earthly dad, I'm sorry, but you have a perfect heavenly father who loves you. And lastly, as he has brought us forward by the word of truth, let us tell others of the word of truth. And if you're here today and you've never believed this message, today's the day you can do that. If you are here and you've been coming and you want to become a member of our church, you can do that. We can start that process. You can come down and tell us. If you've never been baptized, remember what Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. One of the first things you're supposed to do, repent and be baptized. There's really no category for non-baptized Christians other than the thief on the cross. Not a great argument. The guy couldn't get down. Okay? That's part of the response. Be, ob- be obedient to Jesus if you love him. Let's close in prayer. Roy's going to come on up. <clears throat> God of all grace, we do love you and thank you for this time together in your word. We are thankful that there is a, a narrow path, Lord, and it's, it has many trials and tribulations, Lord, but we know that it's what leads to life. Help us to stay on this path, Lord. 
If there's anyone here who's not on that path yet, Lord, that they, they do not have faith, please work in their hearts now. Help them to cry out to you from their seat or they can come up here. Keep us away from this wide path that leads to destruction, Lord. We're thankful that you don't tempt us. We're thankful that you always give us a way out. Lord, I'm thankful for my friends here. I'm thankful for my family here. Please continue to work in us to make us more like your son. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.